0: Right. Thanks for joining me, Clive. Pleasure. No problem. Um, I wanted to call this conversation the medical mafia, if that's OK.
1: Yeah, that's a good description.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, and I wanted to, well, in, in terms of um, myself, I mean, I've followed you for, for years now. One of the first interviews that I ever saw you do was with Remil Nagel.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's great or was great. Yeah so
0: many many years ago I'm a massive fan of him actually and um, I I said over email um, I actually reversed a cavity using his his method as well so yeah got a lot of uh, respect for for that man and um, that's sort of where I first come across your work. Um, I'm not sure if you know my uh, followers have, have um, come across you before uh, I've listened to your uh, story and your introduction into the alternative world uh, many times before, but if you, if you didn't mind just to sort of go over that for anyone that isn't aware of your story and how you got into kind of what you're doing now, if that's okay.
1: Sure. Well, uh, when I was young, I was pretty much reprobate and um, didn't follow any rules whatsoever. I left school on my 16th birthday and got out so to speak. And um, I was working uh, in ophthalmic optics. I started what turned out to be Britain's biggest contact lens company. And at that time, I was embarrassed. I was about 31, I had some spots on my face and I thought, I'm way too old to have spots on my face. And what I should have done is stop eating at the calf and eating a couple of bars, you know, every day. That's what I should have done. But instead, madness overtook me and I went to a doctor who said, no problem, have an antibiotic, that'll sort it out. It didn't sort it out, but it did sort me out. I ended up in hospital uh, and I was in there for weeks and I was, I got to the stage of being so arthritic that I could no longer walk or get dressed and various other problems. And so I was in hospital for weeks and at the end of it, they said, well, there's nothing we can do. You know, you're gonna have a ghastly life and you're never gonna get better. But I'd been reading books and I'd figured out that I could get better. And I did, you know, it's 40 years ago, when I was told it was hopeless and they were totally wrong. So um, I sold the contact lens company and I had to decide what to do with my life. And what I really wanted to do was to sort of change the world for the better. But I realised that was ridiculous when everybody was ill unnecessarily. Yeah, you know, because almost everybody, who is unwell, they're in pain, or whatever, you know, that's not normal. What's normal is that we self-repair, you know, we cut ourselves, we get better. But if we're not giving ourselves the right nutrition, obviously that cut may not get better, it might take ages. And everybody is malnourished, everybody's got malnutrition, the the whole lot. And you know, it doesn't matter whether you're underweight, overweight, that's got nothing to do with malnutrition. But if you're healthy or unhealthy, that's what malnutrition's got to do with. So having the luxury of having sold a house, uh, sold a company rather, um, I was able to study health. And, you know, that was my hobby, my work, if you like, just studying health. And then after a while, somebody said, well, you, you know some stuff, why don't you give a talk? And I was the guy at school who hid behind the desk at the back and never talked. You know, I was way too shy to do any of that stuff. I suddenly found that I could talk and I was quite good at it. So, um, yeah, I just studied, studied and studied. I mean, YouTube was a blessing. You know, I learned so much from YouTube. And at one point, maybe about 15 years ago, I started reading uh, doctor's books from before, before the second world war and before the first world war but from about the first world war onwards medicine had got very very advanced and when i say medicine i'm not talking about drugs you know guys hospital in london they opened their electrotherapy department in 1843 and electrotherapy by then was already very very well known and widely practiced because it didn't involve drugs it was very inexpensive and Surprisingly to some people, electrotherapy often worked. There were, uh, you know, hospitals around the country, around the time of the World War, who would offer you different choices of treatments. You could have electrotherapy, or homeopathy, or herbs, or say you were in Bath, the city of Bath. There was the Royal Bath Mineral Water Hospital, massive hospital that just treated people using mineral water. And there are other mineral water spas all over the country, you know, Cheltenham Spa, anything's got a spa at the end. Um, they're all over the country and they were massive buildings, which are now generally big hotels, which were dedicated to healing people with anything except drugs. And uh, every every major hospital would treat people with electrotherapy. And the first time I ever discovered this was about 20 years ago. I was working with a medical doctor for a while, and he explained to me that Nikola Tesla, in the 1880s, 1890s, had invented and developed three devices that had been taken on by the medical profession and people at home and dentists to fix various problems. And that, (coughs) through the power of the media, um, the pharmaceutical industry just took over And how they did it was that uh, Rockefellers and the people who were trying to lead the pharmaceutical charge would go to the head of universities, medical schools, and say, look, I'll endow you with $10 million, or however much it was, if you stop teaching that old-fashioned rubbish and start teaching drugs, surgery, and radiation. And it was incredible how quickly these devices uh, fell out of use and well they were removed basically from hospitals and so on but the knowledge is lost it's incredible how uh, advanced we were but it something that's been lost it's most unusual
0: yeah do you know what fascinates me is you've got yourself obviously went through a, a, a horrendous health situation but then you could have someone else go through that and there's completely two different paths. Yours has turned into a story that's developed, you know, into the life as you know it now, which has led you into places that you could only have dreamed of, where someone else might have been institutionalised. 10 years down the line, 15 years down the line, the pain's crippling. And that's the end of it. So it's almost like these tragedies can, if you're open, can open the door and kind of lead you down paths that you can only dream of. So I find that quite quite interesting. Um, I was going to say, in, in terms of your arthritis, so you took a a um, antibiotic and, I mean, before, did you, uh, did you have any signs of, of ill health before that or was it? No, no.
1: no, no I, I was fine. Like most people, I used to get colds and flus. For the last 20 years, I've never had a cold. I, I don't get them anymore because I know how not to. But uh, no, I never had an ache pain ever. It was... It was very quick. I took the antibiotic and within days uh, or a couple of weeks at the most, I realised that things were going badly wrong. It, yeah. it was obvious.
0: I think a lot of people in that, you know, leading to the first thing I just said, a, a lot of people in that situation would panic and they would look at themselves as having no power at all and almost give that power to the person in the white jacket. I mean, what what was it that made you kind of run for the hills and start to question the establishment and and trust yourself almost?
1: Well, i would never had any trust in the establishment. Uh, I was incredibly lucky when I was 10. My dad introduced me to John Lennon, who was sort of my musical hero and hero in general, if you like, when I was 10. And I was convinced that everything that John Lennon said in the mid 60s was going to happen that there was going to be peaceful revolution everywhere and everything was going to be great. So I've always had that mindset. I thought that was sort of the right mindset to have. I didn't realize that was quite unusual, really. Um, uh, So the only reason I had to go into hospital was that I didn't know of another way at that point, and I really was in a very bad way. Um, But after three weeks in hospital reading books, obviously I'd figured it out for myself. And I just got wheeled out in a wheelchair and started taking Nutrients, I started taking magnesium as the number one. That was the big, the big one. And anybody who's got arthritis or aches or pains, or they've got heart arrhythmia, constipation, restless leg, muscle cramps, twitches, menstrual cramps, any type of cramps, uh, depression, sleep problems, anxiety, panic attacks. I could go on with the list. They're all symptoms of magnesium deficiency and everybody, I mean that's a wide thing to say, everybody's low on magnesium because stress burns up our magnesium levels and all of us, whether it's 5G or chemtrails or food or the radio whatever, we're all way more stressed than it is natural for a human being in the wild. So we're all low on magnesium, I really can confidently say that and I've seen people who've taken the right type of magnesium at the right quantity who it's been night and day five minutes one hour one day i've had people who are suicidal one day two days later no longer suicidal you know people in lots of pain rapidly not but the dose isn't what you think most people who will say i tried magnesium didn't work well the chances are they tried a cheap inexpensive type which was ineffective. And then they probably took one or perhaps two. Now, um, if somebody's really low on magnesium and they're a sort of normal height and weight, uh, they might need at the beginning, the first day, first couple of days, 12 over a day. If they're big, they might need 15 or something. It's outrageous. And you go, oh my God, that's ridiculous. You know, tw- you want me to take 12 capsules in one day? I explain well. Don't take it all at once because you'll end up with diarrhea in the bathroom if you did that. If you split it up, take two six times a day. You're not going to have to do this for the rest of your life. But you know, if, you, if you're nervous, then start slow and build up. You know, whatever you like, but try it, and if necessary, try it to overdose. And an overdose is diarrhea. The body is wonderfully self-regulating with magnesium, vitamin C, and one or two other things, and. Uh, I had a woman uh, a while back who, for about 15 years, she told me, had uh, menstrual pains that were so bad that she'd have to stay at home for about five days every month. Within one day of taking magnesium, her menstrual cramps stopped, never to return. Wow.
0: How long can it take for you to become... So if you are deficient and like you say most people are chronically deficient and probably deficient for decades how do you think it can take of taking higher dose until the body is sort of satiated
1: well um i take personally some in the region of six a day or eight a day that's what suits me if i don't i'm in danger of getting muscle cramps and if you get a muscle cramp, let's say your foot or the back of your legs when you stretch and wake up in the morning, if you've got a muscle muscle cramp of your heart, well, there's a name for those, they're called heart attacks. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I, I used to take your capsules. Um, I've bought a few different ones over over the years. I've, I've moved over now to magnesium oil. I, d- I don't think you recommend the oil, do you? Or
1: I, I, I have it on my website and that's where I started with the oil. The problem with the oil, but well, the good thing about the oil is because it's liquid, you can just rub it in where it hurts. Yeah. But most people say, well, I tried it and I rubbed it on uh, and it didn't seem to work. Well, that person might need to rub it on every hour or every half an hour just to begin with to get enough through the skin to where it needs to go. The problem then is it's a bit sticky. and yeah. I mean, I find it frustrating as opposed to taking a whole bunch of capsules, which is a lot more convenient, Uh, but I mean, in the old days, that is what a lot of the spas, spa baths were primarily about magnesium. You know, People went to the spa for maybe a couple of weeks and suddenly all their aches and pains would go away because they were soaking in magnesium.
0: Yeah, I, I use the oil now and what I've noticed is it can sting. Um, when I feel like my levels are high enough, it doesn't. But if I go to the gym and I put it on straight after, it stings. So it, well, it's almost I mean. like a gauge of how much I need.
1: Well, it's a gauge. If it stings, you're low, full stop. Yeah. And obviously, if you go to the gym and you sweat, sweat a lot, you're going to sweat out all the minerals, dear, not just yeah. magnesium or, or water-soluble ones, for sure. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it is a good test. Just like if you paint a dab of iodine on your on your wrist, say, how quickly does it disappear? If it's still there the next day, well, you, you're, you've got fabulous amounts of iodine. If it's gone in four hours, well, you probably haven't got enough. I've seen it go in 20 minutes with somebody who was like on death's door. Wow.
0: Do you... Um, so, yeah, when I used to spray, I've noticed if I've had a... Even... Because I've been doing it for so long now, I'm quite aware of... You know the sensation. If I've even had a stressful day and I put it on at night before bed, sometimes it stings. So for me, I, I'm really starting to you know become attuned with uh, with my levels. So I find that to be to be quite helpful. And like you said, if you do take too much, it's it's coming out the other end. So there's no you know kind of risk. Same as vitamin C as well. Uh, I first heard of um, you know taking like sorbic acid through yourself actually a good few years ago. So if I ever feel I'm coming under the weather, I will take high doses of, of vitamin C. And the same thing, the gauge is once you go to the toilet, you know, for that period of time, you've taken too much. Um, do you do you mind talking a little bit about vitamin C as well, especially with what we've just seen over the last couple of years? And, you know, kind of how things are playing out now, actually, um, I'm sure the importance of higher doses of vitamin C is becoming more apparent.
1: Well, when I got taken down from YouTube the second time was, whatever, December, January or something, 2020, when my YouTube video title was something like, Is Vitamin C the answer to COVID-19? And uh, so that got to shut me down again. And um, I'm still shut down from YouTube. Uh, vitamin C is the answer for almost everything. I mean. You know, you've got the magnesium on one side being the most important mineral by far, in my opinion, and vitamin C has got to be the most important vitamin, really, because if you've got an infection, it doesn't really matter what it is and whether you believe viruses exist or whether they don't exist. If you want to steer clear of coming down with anything at all, doesn't matter whether it's smallpox or a cold, you really need three key things. And what stopped me getting colds or flus was realizing that you need vitamin D in winter if you're not getting enough sunshine. You need vitamin C because food isn't fresh, generally speaking, it's, you know, vitamins deteriorate with time. Minerals don't, but vitamins do. So none of us are eating really vitamin-rich food generally. And, you know, it's been uh, something like 70 years of study showing that high doses of vitamin C, little and often, overcome virtually everything. There's a four minute video that I'd encourage everybody to watch called reverse pneumonia in three hours. Right? Reverse pneumonia in three hours. Most people go into hospital with pneumonia and they might never come out or they might be in for weeks or whatever. So this is Dr. Andrew Saul. He took two grams, that's about half a teaspoonful, two grams of vitamin C every six minutes. Every six minutes. And within three hours, his pneumonia had stopped. So he had bacterial pneumonia. Now, bacteria, as you know, reproduces really fast, right? But it doesn't go reproduce every six minutes. You can outrace it. And... uh, Dr. Saul then goes on to explain how they gave a 20 pound baby 20 grams of vitamin C in a day and it was very, very seriously ill and it fixed the baby. You know, this is how safe vitamin C is if it's safe vitamin C. A lot of vitamin C out there is made from genetically modified material. And so if you want vitamin C, you want to choose one that absolutely says non-GMO on it, I like ascorbic acid, it's the least expensive, tastes, in my opinion, the best, but there are other types of people with sensitive stomachs or or whatever, but it's super inexpensive. And the third part of the equation is zinc. Some people are low on zinc, and uh, you can buy a bottle of zinc sulfate and do a zinc test. You taste it, and if it tastes sweet, you're low on zinc. If it tastes of water, you're low on zinc. If it tastes absolutely bloody disgusting, you, you've got enough zinc or possibly even too much. If it tastes faintly minerally, that's the level that you want to be aiming for. So there are tests for lots of, you know, lots of tests for things are actually quite inexpensive and pretty easy to uh, uh, to do. Um. So, you yeah, know, why have a cold if you've got enough vitamin D stored up? Vitamin D is a hormone. It got mislabeled as a vitamin. You've got enough of the right hormone. You've got your immune system working properly because you've, you've got enough zinc. If you haven't got enough zinc, you might have white spots on your fingernails. That's one of the signs of low zinc. But vitamin C is key. I mean, I've seen uh, videos, maybe you have, where there are people in hospital, they've got the big C, right? They've got the one you're not allowed to mention on YouTube. And um, they take like 100 grams intravenously of vitamin C, or they take 200 grams, or uh, they take it orally as well, or they take it in liposomal form. You get it in any way you can. And people who've been told, like, you're going to die tomorrow, don't. I mean that's not always the case, obviously, but uh but there's a medical doctor, Dr. Thomas Levy, who has written a brilliant book on on vitamin C. I can't remember the title, but something like a cure for every disease. You know, it's ridiculous what vitamin C will do. So you start stacking a few of these basic things up. They're not terribly expensive. And maybe 90% of people's common problems, just with You know, let's say, let's say you pick nine supplements. Chances are that if somebody tried those for one month, probably 90% of people would notice the difference. You know, it's a high number.
0: Yeah, I actually know a doctor who's just been struck off the GMC um, for doing or administering um, IV vitamin C for COVID patients. This was years ago. And what she found as well is it was helping people with Alzheimer's uh, and other neurological um, diseases, but Alzheimer's was a kind of the main one and um, yeah, struck off careers in the bin and um, you're thinking it's a vitamin. It's in lemons. I mean, how harmful can it be?
1: And you know, while it took the Royal Navy a hundred years to agree with the idea that scurvy was something to do with lemons or lack of lemons or limes, um you know the doctors in the Navy have known about vitamin C forever. It's just yeah. that the GPS and everybody else doesn't you know, they you know God help them if they taught an oncologist about it. Oh my God, they have all yeah. lose their jobs. yeah
0: i um i've n- I've never mentioned this on my podcast, but I actually um for a job, I do medical recruitment, so I actually recruit doctors, right, <laughs> which is quite funny because I have the views that I have. But I will regularly have these conversations off record and you'll be surprised the conversations that I have. Uh, I'm not saying all of them know about these kind of things, but there's uh, especially talking about the uh, the solution, you know, the solution that they rolled out a couple of years ago for the big C. There's quite a few of them that I know that didn't take it, would never give it to their families. And, um, you know, the sort of conversations I'm having now, they're starting to see the the problems that we're, you Know we're seeing, uh, and I find it quite interesting. Did, did you see the um Rishi Sinak thing the other day on question time when he was questioned about the solution? Do yes, you see? Yeah. And he basically, from yeah, he basically kind of blamed the doctors, which I thought was quite interesting. The fact that they're willing to kind of throw those lot under the bus, although they were the administrators of the. You know the whole thing that we went through so something's brewing which is actually is quite interesting um moving on to that what are your views on the rollout of the solution and uh what we're seeing are are you seeing you know terrible things like i am if if you're looking uh and, and and have you kind of found any ways to reverse any of these issues or is there any kind of advice that you've got for anyone that may have taken one, two, or more of these things, and are now starting to get a little bit worried as everything's starting to come to the surface?
1: Well, over the last you know couple of years, I've interviewed a number of people, asking them what to do. You know, toxicology experts, that sort of thing. And um, I mean, I think it's pretty clear that every batch was different. You know, this wasn't an experiment with one thing, it was an experiment with loads of things. And you can look up your batch number and see whether you got a bad batch or not. Because, you know, you, you can track it down. I mean, in the island of St Helena, in the middle of the Atlantic, everybody got vaccinated, but nobody had, had a problem. Well, right. clearly, they probably gave more saline. Because if... 10% of the island was suddenly down, that might have looked suspicious. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's all manipulated and there are loads of things to do. I mean, uh, Dr. Brian Ardis says with his clients or the people that he's in touch with that they do well with a, um, a nicotine patch. You get a low powered nicotine patch. If somebody's had that lovely uh, gift from the government, um, put it on See so if you feel better. might feel better in a day or two. You know, there are always more than one reason why governments tell you stuff. You know, tobacco is bad for you, it must be avoided at all costs. Well, shamans in South America have been using tobacco beneficially for forever, you know, just because it's got a bad rap for smoking doesn't mean that actually it didn't have some benefits in other ways. Um, My grandfather used to grow uh, tobacco in the garden in Croydon, Uh, It smoked it. It was uh, just hanging upside down in his uh, garage to dry out and, uh, you know, it grows well in England. You don't uh, need to buy the stuff. But um, there are many things you can do. For instance, Vitamin C is a great detoxifier. I think that's one of the reasons why people get ill in the first place. They get full of toxins. Then they relax, they go on holiday, say they get on a plane, they go, oh, finally, I'm on holiday. And then they say, at the end of the bloody flight, must have been going down in the air conditioning. Now I've got a bad cold. I, I don't see it that way. What happens is that you relax after a great, great period of stress and the body goes, fantastic. Now's the time to get the toxins out and you all well, the snot comes out, you run a temperature to burn the toxins off. Because the body's worked out that you're about to have a rest. So that's perfect time to detox when you're not busy. So because I started taking vitamin C and so on, I suddenly didn't have to detox anymore. As I didn't need to have colds anymore, flus anymore, because I didn't have any toxins to have to get rid of. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah.
1: So vitamin C works well uh, to detoxify you from whatever it is. Other great ones, uh, selenium. I do a liquid selenium, which is streets ahead of the type you get in capsules, so that can be good as well, um, which is an in- incredible for turning off toxins, just amazing. And the liquid selenium turns off antitoxins. How does that work? Let's say somebody is an addict, doesn't matter whether it's booze or drugs, you know, serious addict. And they feel that. That if they stop. The alcoholic gets delirium tremors, the DT's and it's horrible. The heroin addict stops. They get withdrawals that are, are so painfully horrible they have to go back on it again. They feel and the same is true with many people on pharmaceutical drugs given by the doctor. Each time they try to stop, they can't and they think that it's because they've given up the drug. Now the body hasn't got it and that's the problem. No. I mean, that could be the problem but selenium the liquid selenium proves it's the other way around that what happens is that your body which is wonderfully protective of you it senses that every day the toxin heroin whatever it is is coming into the body so the body creates antitoxins to try and cope with the toxins. you stop the toxin the body hasn't worked that out yet and is still making for the first few days. The antitoxins, and what's making so many addicts feel ill when they try to give up, is the antitoxins. Selenium turns those off. So, that, I so selenium is the best thing, say, to remove mercury. Yeah. Very, very interesting material. Then there's charcoal. Um, activated charcoal is the type they use in poisoning cases in the hospital. However, activated charcoal is made with a process that if you take it, yes, it strips out the bad guys really well, but it also takes out the water-soluble good guys, vitamins and so on. So the type of charcoal to choose, if it's not an absolute emergency, is non-activated charcoal. And uh, non-activated charcoal is a quarter of the power, but it only takes out the bad stuff, not any of the good stuff, so you don't have to worry about depletion. And charcoal, is an amazing material for detoxification. If you think about it, chances are in the past our ancestors would have been sitting around the fire, eating dinner, inhaling loads of charcoal. And so uh, you can go back a hundred years or more in doctor's literature where charcoal is absolutely a, rem- a recognised remedy for, for to- toxic poisoning of various kinds, I've you know I've got a number of videos online, everywhere except YouTube. You might say, uh, where people who know more than me have explained the various ways. I mean, for instance, yeah. uh, most people have heard of the rather delightful coffee enema, right? You get in the bath and you put warm, warm organic coffee up your bum. You know, okay, Very, it it has incredible results actually, and it's been known. Hundred years plus, but uh, we do of you know, stuff like charcoal. We do suppositories of coffee with all the other materials. So rather than doing a coffee enema for half an hour, you pop a suppository up your bum, and it does it. It doesn't without any mess. And coffee enemas are, are, are brilliant for, well, a whole, a whole host of reasons, including detoxification. Then we do another suppository which is a liver and gallbladder flush. who knows the traditional liver and gallbladder flush. It's awful. You have to drink loads of apple juice uh, usually. uh, Then uh, you usually drink loads of olive oil, Mm. have masses of Epsom salts, and you're meant to do it 12 times. And it's one of the most unpleasant procedures I've ever tried. It was really ghastly. But again, you can just pop up a suppository and the job's done. You know, There's directly direct link to the liver, gallbladder, through the bowels, just straight there. And you can detoxify without any of the unpleasantness of the other methods. There are other things. Um, the very first product I ever introduced was uh, Fulvic Minerals, F-U-L-V-I-C. Fulvic Minerals, which are really all the teeny tiny trace elements that are missing from the soil now. So yeah. a lot of people you know, a lot of us have got damaged gut, right? We've taken a drug from the doctor, particularly antibiotic, and now our natural gut bacteria that we got from our mum, hopefully, um, is depleted, to say the least, and some of the bad guys have probably taken over the space. But fulvic minerals, for instance, include some of the, the trace elements that the bacteria in our gut need to regroup and regrow and take back this land from the bad guys. So fulvic minerals, in some cases, the more ill people are, the more they notice fulvic minerals. Suddenly the body's going, oh, this is the nutrition I've needed all along. Yeah. You know, people might find they need to eat less in quantity because they've got the nutrition from supplementing with minerals because you know we are a bunch of minerals. And uh, the problem is most people are a bunch of minerals, missing a few.
0: Yeah. And I think a lot of these uh, fat soluble toxins like mercury and even things like um, microtoxins and molds and microplastics, they compete with minerals as well in the body. So the body's obviously, if, if it can't release it through the GI tract effectively, if you've got leaky gut or, you know, any kind of issue going on, you're, and you're not, you've not got the right level of certain minerals, like you said, zinc and selenium. I know zinc, um, competes with mercury for instance and certain things like boron and fluoride etc if you're depleted then your body's using the wrong things as a building block so essentially by taking the right things essentially you're replacing the toxins and uh, starting to build a healthier body Um, you mentioned about the depositories right for the liver and gallbladder do you sell those on the website or do you have instructions that people can
1: yeah, no, 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 we, su- we supply them. And basically the regime is with, with both. Um, some people just do five days. A lot of people do it for just ten days in a row, every evening. Ten days or it could be daytime, doesn't really matter. Um, and that's it basically. We're just gonna close the door. It's raining and getting noisy. And you're dead right with fluoride. I mean, the, the people who are still brushing their teeth in fluoride or worse, bathing in the stuff or drinking it, my God, if only they knew the damage they're doing to their brain and everything else, their thyroid, all their hormones. I mean, it's, it's just massive how people let governments go crazy and put a neurotoxin that dumbs people down into mm-hmm. the water supply. You know that fluoride is the basis of lots of those SSRI antidepressants. If you yeah. take an antidepressant thinking, oh, my problems will go away. Well, obviously your problems don't go away. But if you if you take enough of a fluoride-based drug, uh, you just don't give a shit the way you used to. Yeah, but become docile.
0: I yeah. think the thing that bothers me the most is it's not necessarily the governments that are passing these legislations. It's the people who defend it. They're the ones that annoy me. Governments do what governments do. You know, I don't begrudge it in the sense I'm just like, I don't trust you. That's the end of it. It's the foot soldiers on the street that are defending it. You know, when the solution was coming out, if you had any concerns about it, the average person on the street was armed with all the word salad nonsense to debate you and call you a quack. And it's like, you're not a doctor either. (laughs) And I found that you're just under attack by the general public, they're, they're weaponized, and they're armed, even worse if they're an academic. I mean, oh, Jesus, it's, it's just terrible. So, yeah, with the fluoride thing, I mean, I've had many debates over the years and it's, it's really hard to actually find any solid research because, you know, you're questioning who funds this stuff. They're not well,
1: gonna- actually, I read the original fluoride report from way back when that the decisions to add fluoride and that would be a central thing were taken and I I don't I can only after having read it I can only assume that nobody did read it because if, if they had read it they wouldn't have done it
0: yeah or they would have done it knowing what it does yeah, Exactly.
1: <laughs> yeah
0: we um that was one of the things I did a video about healing tooth decay and one of the things is obviously get rid of fluoride um, but replace it with hypoxiappetite which your tooth enamels actually is actually partly made of as well so once you're putting in hypoxiappetite you're kicking out the fluoride you're replacing it so that's you know and boron as well like i said before um i wanted to while i've got you on because you did an interview ages ago with a vegan who reversed a cavity like, this was a few years ago have you seen any kind of dental miracles in your time? I know you had on Romeo Nagel, and you had that guy on. What sort of things have you seen? And is there anything that you would recommend to anyone that does have sort of any issues with uh, oral health?
1: Well, um, I've just bought a book by Nadine Artemis. I don't know really you've come across her. Her book is called something like Heal Your Own Teeth or Fix Your Teeth at Home, something like that. Yeah. And, I mean, there are a few real keys, I suppose. Uh, I mean, each morning I use uh, this uh, called Tooth Terrain. Yeah. And that's made by a couple of friends of mine, uh, a dentist and uh, a guy who makes spagerics. People who don't know what a spageric is, it's where you take a plant, a herb, say, and you take it to pieces. You maybe make an alcoholic extract from some of it. You maybe make a water extract from some of it. Maybe you make an essential oil. You, know, you do whatever you want to do with the, with the plant material. Then you put put it all back together again. And this contains tiny amounts of essential oils. And the point is with teeth. What the media, dentist, doctors will tell you is if you have a tooth problem that's to do with bacteria in your mouth, therefore, kill the bacteria, make your mouth sterile, and then you won't have a problem. But this is wrong, obviously. This is the germ theory where, you know, bacteria are bad, kill the lot. But we have a microbiome, you know, in our gut, in our brain, in our heart, in every part of the body but particularly the mouth and you know the first level of protection is your eyes you look at the food then your nose you smell it then you taste it and not only are these safety levels I don't know it's disgusting spit it out but from the bacterial infection uh, point of view the friendly bacteria instantly communicate with your guts what what the food is as as you're starting to chew it and it already gets to work pre-digesting it Mm. and The idea of using a mouthwash is just ludicrous. But then the natural health people make a mouthwash that does exactly the same. It kills all the germs, but they're using this essential oil and that essential oil, but still missing the point that what you want is a balanced group of friendly bacteria, not to wipe everything off the face of the planet. So I I use this stuff after I brush my teeth. I don't brush my teeth as often as most people do, Um, anybody wants to know about um, teeth needs to study Dr. Weston Price who 100 years ago worked it all out as to how to have perfect teeth. Um, I started working it out when I was working with a medical doctor and he said, oh there's an ozone dentist down the road. What happened is I woke up one morning and I realised I got a slight cavity because it's painful and the doctor said, look, go to the ozone dentist. He won't drill it. He'll just clean it out, blow ozone into the hole. Then all you've got to do is not eat any, any uh, food that might in any way be inflammatory or drink hot liquids for about 24 hours and the teeth will tooth will regrow, assuming you've got the vitamins and minerals, you know, that you need. And I went to the ozone dentist and sure enough, my tooth healed itself. You know, people forget that their teeth are regrowing all the time, just like fingernails are. If you break your fingernail, you, you don't run to the nail person and get a filling. It regrows. And so if you keep your mouth sterile, you know, a, a cavity can regrow. The problem comes the moment you've had a, a filling done. Once the, the, the dentist has worked his stupidity on your tooth by filling it, then, you know, sooner or later that tooth is going to be lost
0: did you have the same issue as me and you had a few fill-ins before you realise this,
1: that you can actually
0: fix the teeth?
1: My teeth were always perfect when my uncle, who, who happened to be a dentist, was looking after them. The moment I had to change dentists, suddenly I had all these problems. I remember one dentist coming up to me, oh, like that. Oh. <laughs> what the fuck did you just do? And, yeah. you know, I'm paying for it now. Yeah, was,
0: so, yeah that was my issue I had um a few fill-ins before I, I actually found your interview about a few months after I had some fill-ins and I was just furious I still haven't got over it now to be honest with you I'm just still pissed off about it all these years later because the problem is like you say as soon as you do have a fill-in you know I, I heard um Ian Clark, he done an interview years ago talking about this, and he's like, as soon as you have a filling, the dentist owns that tooth. And that's the truth. And I recently, um, it was about a year ago, I had a filling from years and years and years ago, and there was a cavity around the filling. So the dentist is like, look, it's not exposed, it's inside. Uh, and he, he actually said, normally what you find is the tooth gives up before the filling. I'm thinking, you're fucking full of shit, man. Um, and he said that it, because it's not exposed, there's nothing we can really do. So just get it filled even deeper. So I actually reversed it from the inside out. And it was through the Ramil Nagel stuff. So loads of raw milk. I'm fortunate enough to have two dairy farms near me, but are raw. Um, loads of raw cheeses. You can actually get raw cheeses in places like Sainsbury's. If, if you look uh, raw brie, it's normally French, um, pretty good. And, uh, yeah, cut out, as, as you know, like the breads and the pastas. I don't really eat that stuff anyway after years of looking into health stuff. Um, eating as organic as you can. Cutting the, you know, fluoride I haven't used for about 10 years anyway. Pretty much every cavity I ever had was when I was using fluoride. So, I mean, that for me, that's just, that just kind of says it all. But, um, yeah, so I've actually seen that you can do it through, um, through diet. And it happened pretty rapidly and the dentist was absolutely blown away. He couldn't believe it, you know, and I'm just like, man, you're you're about 60 years old. You've been a dentist for, you know, decades and you're blown away by something that hundreds of years ago we were doing every day without even being consciously aware of it. You know, you wasn't getting the x-rays. Cavity comes, cavity goes. You don't even know about it.
1: (laughs) Yeah, well, as you said at the beginning of the show, you know, it's the medical mafia. They, they they are criminals. I mean, if you're a psychopath, what are the good jobs out there? Well, you know, I don't want to pick on particular professions, but dentist is pretty good on. You know, if you're a psychopath, you don't care. In fact, you enjoy that kind of treatment, giving pain to children or whatever it is. And you know, there are some lovely dentists out there. You know, I've interviewed several. I've... Um, you know, I've got, um, I I've, you know, I have this thing called the Secret Health Club, and every month uh, I put on an Ask Clive Anything, they're usually about three hours long. And one day I invited a dentist in, and the three hours, like 75 people are grilling this, this poor dentist. You know, what do we do? What do we do? What do we do? And uh, so the, those, the, the videos I did, you know, I was interested in dentistry because it is probably one of the biggest causes of, disease out there you know There's mm-hmm. going to be one cause the mouth is you know the first thing I ask a lot of people is tell me about your dentistry you know yep. what have you got in there what have you what, what have they done um, <sighs> they done
0: because everything they do is is toxic whether it's amalgam filling which is obviously the worst of the worst but even these composite fillings I mean what what's in them plastics and dyes and
1: well it's the, interesting um you know the 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 dentist knows that there is a choice of maybe 50 different materials. There's the one that costs a fiver, and there's the one that costs 150 or whatever it is. Now, some dentists are going to say, Well, I, I would like to choose the best one for you. It's a bit more expensive, but hey. But the NHS dentist, presumably, or the, the cheap, the dentist doing it because he doesn't care, will put in the cheapest one it'll be the cheapest you know and the reason they love mercury type fillings is they're so easy to work with you know use another material it takes more skill more time more concentration for the poor dentist you know yeah you know?
0: the thing is the mercury fillings is obviously they're horrendous but they the way they drill into the tooth for it to set is slightly different so if you've got composite they can just you know almost use any shape and bond it in there but with a mercury it's like a wedge so it's a hundred percent weakening your tooth as well as poisoning you and you often find that when these mercury fillings give in or they give out it's it'll just drop straight into your mouth and now you've got this you know like a nuclear bomb in your mouth
1: <laughs> it's just a- yeah i mean it's a big problem i mean you know people don't realize that you know one atom of mercury comes off and it will kill the first cell it meets and the second and carry on for the next whatever the half-life is 25 years
0: nice.
1: uh, you know, it doesn't get weakened by destroying anything on the way that's not how it works it just carries on so um, getting mercury out whether you're going to use selenium or whatever we're all mercury poisoned particularly if we happen to be overdosing on tuna happened to be near a coal-fired power station, happened mm-hmm. to have had a silver filling at some point. You know, unless you got it out, it could well still be there, you know. Yeah. yeah, pulling the tooth may or may not be a good idea, and you know, taking the mercury fillings out. Uh, unless you've got a dentist who is super skilled, yeah. uh, you know, you might want to think twice before before thinking about removing it, even though you know it's bad. Yeah. Dropping
0: it out by a moron might make it worse. Yeah, the, the other thing as well, if you live near like a crematorium, because you know when you're burning bodies that are riddled with mercury, the vapors up in the air again as well. So the, this thing's everywhere, you know. And
1: I never thought about that.
0: Yeah, you got they, they um, like places like Chiang Mai in Thailand. The, the levels in the atmosphere are horrendous because a lot of the you know they're burning bodies outside, essentially, you know, it's, it, there, there's actually a story. I can't remember the guy's name. It's it's on YouTube, a guy that moved to Thailand. He actually wrote his own sort of. Um, I think he I think he killed himself in the end, but he wrote like a, a letter um, talking about his story with Mercury. It's, it's horrendous. And it all started when he was in Thailand. He went to do a key later. I can't remember what it was, actually. It might have been part of the Andy Cutler um, protocol. And he's he's breathed it all in, and essentially what it's done is it's just pulled loads of toxins out of his um, you know fatty tissue, essentially central nervous system and brain etc. Straight back in the blood, back in the brain, and he's ended up fully debilitated. Uh, it's a horrendous story because the reason I looked into mercury is because I had a mercury filling as a kid and it fell out on its own, um, and I had a, a vaccine. Uh, in 2019, the beginning of 2019, I was already into this sort of stuff. I don't know what possessed me to do it. I have no idea and I regret it to this day. Uh, but I went travelling to India and I got a typhoid vaccine. And I, within about a day, I had the flu. It was horrendous. Never had the flu before. And then I ended up with vertigo. Five days in bed. Couldn't get out of bed, had to take the medication. And then... um I started looking into the vaccine and it had timosol which is a type of mercury so some people are unable to like methylate mercury as effectively as others uh, and I think what's happened is it's attached itself to my central nervous system it caused me anxiety tingles in my leg um, I have spoke about it on the podcast to different guests a, f- a few times and then um when we were during the COVID period, I spent a lot of time at home. We actually had a bit of mould in our in our bedroom because the gutter outside was blocked. And I was getting vertigo again. And it kept happening over this period. I was thinking, is it stress from, you know, the situation, the lockdowns? You know, I was anti the whole thing immediately from the beginning. So the stress levels for me were through the roof. Um, and I started to look into the mould. And when I got rid of it, a lot of my symptoms went away. Um, it was around the same time I was doing like inner child, you know, stuff and hypnosis and I had a guy on RTT, uh, therapist, I worked with him and I was doing, because a lot of these toxins can be buried with emotions as well and trauma. So you've almost got like, you know, these, these toxins, they, they can be physical or, or emotional and in many cases they're, you know, micro, you can't even see them and uh, they're stored up in the body and um, when you start to heal, They start to release and uh, I was having all sorts of things. I was having a terrible neck constantly. I went to a chiropractor, there's nothing they could do about it. Tingles down my leg. I'd be standing there. My whole leg leg is dead, just tingles all the time. And, you know, I did a mercury detox. I got rid of the mold. I dealt with a therapist and all of this kind of stuff and it and it all went away. And then we ended up with some mold again this winter in the bathroom terrible chest infection, couldn't get rid of the thing, got rid of the mould, and um, I ended up with vertigo again. This was like two weeks ago. So for me, I'm thinking that vaccine was the beginning of something. I think it's attached to my central nervous system, maybe the vagal nerve, you know, is attached all through the brain and the ear and, you know, from the gut essentially. And um, I'm thinking that things like mould, microtoxins, you know if I'm in a mouldy house I can tell you it's mouldy, I feel light-headed, tingles, really weird but as soon as I removed it the vertigo come back. So for me I'm on, similar to your situation you know with the antibiotic all those years ago, mine really started with, um, well it started with a dental issue 10 years ago and then I stupidly took a bloody vaccine that you know it's led me down this path now so
1: yeah but, you know, a good comes from bad you know, if I hadn't got incredibly ill, I wouldn't be as happy as I am now yeah
0: it's hard to know that when you're in the thick of it I think that's oh, absolutely the...
1: no it's horrible when you're in it but afterwards you know you know I mean funnily enough, when I was researching survivors, you know the people who against the odds survived, yeah. I wanted to know what they'd done right and while I think from your mold story. Vitamin C in high doses might be a really good idea to to help get over that. When I was researching people, I was expecting them to say at that point that vitamin C was the thing that cured them. That's what I was expecting. But it wasn't that way. Um, Like nine out of ten said, oh, well, what it came down to was gratitude. I was so, I hated it when it first happened. I first got the diagnosis and it was just hell, hell on earth. And then they said things like, "Well, I changed my life. I divorced the husband. I changed the job. I got over being raped as a child. Whatever the trauma was, yeah. And it seemed that gratitude followed by forgiveness—forgiveness forgiveness of others and forgi- forgiveness of oneself—seemed to be the big cures." Yeah, yeah.
0: It's, there's definitely something there, hundred um, percent. We. In terms of the mould that we had, we're at the moment taking glutathione,
1: loads of vitamin C as well. Um, are, char- are you taking glutathione or taking the nutrients that build glutathione?
0: We're taking, it begins with an L, I can't remember the type of glutathione, um, and also the other thing is the enemas, because that can, the coffee enemas can increase your glutathione levels massively. Uh,
1: Let me just stop you there for a minute. I don't believe that taking glutathione is a good idea. Now, I've seen IV drips of glutathione really sort poisoning out. It's massive. But if you take glutathione every day, your liver will will stop producing it. Mm. So I've got a product called glutathione builder, which are all the amino acids and minerals you need to give the liver... The, the nutrients that it needs to make its own glutathione yeah as you know glutathione is the ultimate anti-inflammatory ultimate yeah anti-infection I'll get ordering i'll get ordering
0: <laughs> yeah well that's the thing because it is it is naturally produced in the body of course um so yeah i'll look into that definitely i was uh,
1: some things you take exogenously in the body you know isn't affected but glutathione is one of those few where the body will down-regulate. You know, it's like dopamine, you know. The addict, addict on their phone or whatever it is, they keep getting a hit of dopamine, the body will down-regulate uh, how much dopamine it gets, you know. So now the, the boozer needs twice as much to get the same effect. Yeah. You, you know the difference between happiness and pleasure? Go on. So pleasure, is visceral, you know, it's a, a, you know, usually often a body feeling. So pleasure is, you know, smoking the joint, having sex, gambling whatever, whatever people like to do often for bodily pleasure. That's pleasure. Happiness, uh, you can have, have a, have a happy thought. You can, you, know, you can have too much pleasure, right? That often leads to addiction, but you can't have too much happiness. So pleasure is dopamine-producing, happiness is serotonin-producing. So you can't have too much happiness, right? You just can't be too much in love. It just doesn't happen. But the body has a mechanism to get your dopamine levels down, but there is no mechanism for it to get your serotonin levels down. Hence, you know, you can't be too happy. But there's one thing that reduces serotonin, that's dopamine. So the more pleasure you seek, the less happy you become. Yeah, that makes perfect sense.
0: Yeah, I think, um, yeah, you're probably right there. Would you say that's the same with vitamin D? Because vitamin D, obviously from the sun, there's multiple different types of vitamin D, and you said it's a hormone. Do you ever worry about taking vitamin D in the sense of it can downregulate the production of vitamin D as well? Does that make sense? Especially in the summer or in the... Yeah, I mean, I, I
1: wouldn't take vitamin D if I'm getting decent amounts of sunshine, what would be the point? Um, there's controversy about how much vitamin D individual people need. Um, when I, it, the big change I made that stopped me getting colds and flus wasn't adding vitamin C and zinc, it was vitamin D alone. That was all I need, that's all I was short of at that point. So I lived in Spain for a few years, never got a cold, come back to England, got a cold. Um, It was the sunshine, and um, so I was taking 10,000 IUs of vitamin D every day or two, maybe. I don't do anything that regularly, Um, and I never got a cold again. So I was pretty sure that 10,000 IUs would probably suit most people. But some people don't need more than 1,000, and for 20 quid you, you can get a finger prick test. So you can take vitamin D. for month or something then test and make sure you're in the right range so you're not taking too much
0: yeah so it's something you just take as a little booster as opposed to one of your staple
1: Uh, no in winter i will take it i don't take it every day but uh, you know i probably realistically i probably take it every three days or something in winter yeah and i use once every three days that's probably in my regime at the moment Um, Uh,
0: have you looked into these vitamin D lamps, like the Spurty lamp or...?
1: Yeah, yeah, uh, they're great. I mean, Dr. Mercola got into all sorts of trouble for saying that a lamp can fix the vitamin D issues. I mean, I think they took him to court. Um, yeah, if, if you can get a high quality vitamin D producing lamp, Philips used to make a good one. You know, Philips do make high quality bulbs in some cases. Um, yeah, a vitamin, vitamin D light's great. You you may have to wear goggles, and feed Yeah. your eyes.
0: Some people use the like a higher quality reptile vitamin D lamp, but looking into them, they're all full of mercury. So wow. it puts me off.
1: Yeah, this is why you want to get get one from a really reputable manufacturer. Yeah, uh, you know, and, and Philips from their industrial lamps, as far as I understand, are you know pure, as pure. Well, they're not the Chinese ones made with mercury. Yeah,
0: yeah. Um, you mentioned um, obviously the charcoal, so I've been taking activated charcoal for years on and off. If I ever eat something that I think's a little bit dodgy, <laughs> I'll take an activated charcoal. Um, I don't drink anymore, but when I used to drink I would take activated charcoal after, you know, just to kind of help get rid of that poison. Um, interestingly, we we were walking my dog we got a labrador and he's picked up some some weed right as in the type you smoke we're just walking him and he's just picked it up and eating it right we're like oh my god like we didn't even know what it was got home and he is a mess i mean he couldn't walk it's highly toxic so we've rushed him to the vet and you know what they did it cost us about 180 quid
1: vitamin c drip
0: Activated charcoal.
1: Oh, okay.
0: right. I'm thinking I've got something to draw. <laughs> you know, but but you mentioned the non-activated. I, I've never heard that before.
1: Right. Well, um, uh, I've got it on my site. Um, yeah, it's just absolutely pure. So what, what you want from charcoal ideally is old hardwood trees with very, very deep roots. You, you can get all sorts of charcoal from all sorts of things, like you can get it from bamboo and all sorts of materials.
0: It's not really coconut husk, isn't it? That's like the main
1: one that you get. Um, well, it, it, it may be, but how deep rooted are coconut trees? They're not. Mm. Right? Uh, how much nutrition is right by the seaside? Well, some, but if you've got a deep rooted hardwood tree, it's going to be going through so many layers, stratas of soils and minerals and so on, that there's a good chance that by the time you you harvest some of the wood, that that will be full of a whole bunch of minerals. And so um, I I was studying, I started studying charcoal when the C60 craze came out. Everybody started talking about C60. And I started studying what is C60? Is it safe? And I'm not convinced that regular C60 in the micronized form from a lab is safe. Um, anyway, I discovered that uh, charcoal is C60, carbon 60. You know, Non-activated charcoal has the Buckminster fullerene type 60-sided shape, You know, carbon 60. And um, so I thought, well... Charcoal's been used forever, why do you need the activated stuff? Yes, an absolute emergency, great, Mm. but today, there's no point in taking the activated one, just take, you know, four times as much, So, if you like, if you want to get the same effect, just take four times the quantity, so I take four capsules, Yeah. Um, but I only do it when I feel like, if I've got an upset tummy for some reason, I'll quickly take four charcoal Mm. capsules, and when people come round with upset tummies, they've eaten out some of their like crap. Uh usually within 10-15 minutes of taking four a non-activated charcoal, mm-hmm. well, the, the the job's done then. You know, not yep.
0: often. I often take it when I use a sauna as well. Because obviously if you're kicking out a load of toxins, it it just ends up back in the gut. So do you, do you look at any other binders like chlorella or is there any other things that you sort of mess around with or is it mainly just the charcoal uh
1: for me the problem with chlorella is you need quite a lot of it from a bulk perspective and i'm not always sure i trust the suppliers mm. um, you know the danger with algae and stuff is that in amongst the good stuff somehow some of the bad stuff you know is there i mean um you know anything that's made in some of these countries you know i've I used to import stuff from India, oh my god, the trickery that often went on, I, so I'm a little wary about some of the kind, of, you know, I'm not trying to be country-ist, but yeah, yeah. qualities are better than others, um, so loads of people love spirulina and chlorella, um, it's a way to go for sure.
0: Yeah, okay. Uh, a bit cautious of time. I appreciate, obviously, you've uh, you've you've taken your time out. Do do you have to be anywhere? Have you got a few more minutes?
1: Yeah, no, do- I've got a few a few minutes.
0: Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, um, I, uh, I'd love to get you on again to go more down the toxicity route because this is a it's something I've looked into for for ages, and people that know me they get so overwhelmed when I'm. Talking to him about things, and I was like that when I first. It, I mean, it took me about ten years to really grasp it, because you look into some things and you, um, you, it just—it's a minefield. And, and then I, you know, I put it down, and then I go back, and then I put it down, and then I realised start with water. That was kind of the thing I started with. I got a distiller. I get Celtic sea salt. Get that in there for the minerals. Um, Then once I did that, I looked at, you know, food, and then you start to go down that route. You make a lot of mistakes along the way, of course. There's certain things that I was taking for years, and then you realise, oh, that's actually not as good as I thought it was, especially in the supermarkets. People use things like Faith by Nature, you know, as a shampoo, and you look into it, it's got citric acid, which is black mould, aspergillus, and other chemicals that are just, you know, brand, like names that you didn't find on your original original list of of toxins etc so it's quite overwhelming but if you ever get time to come back on I'd love to sort of pick your brain on that side of things and see if we can put something together
1: well I'd I'd be happy to do you know what the soapification process is no okay the soapification progress happens at the sewage works it's where they separate the liquids from the solids and the fats from the non-fats and so on and in the soapification process, that's where they turn the fats from sewage into soap, and sell it to the soap companies. <laughs> oh Nothing my! See here, it's
0: just a it's a nightmare. Honestly, it's it's just uh, one of the things that I did. Uh, it was a, fr- a friend of mine actually put me onto this years ago. He was balding, and he stopped using shampoo, and his hair started to grow back so i got rid of the shampoo and you know immediately the soaps i'm very cautious with uh, you can make your own you know that's another way um but yeah, so the whole thing's just set up and it, it makes me laugh when you speak to people and they you know they'll say oh 400 years ago people were dying at 30 and you're thinking no it was the industrial era or the industrial progression that caused the diseases that we now need your medication for you know if you go back far enough and this is for me personally this is why i believe i mean i believe we live in some sort of simulated reality anyway but i'm 100 percent sure there's a creator because if you take every bit of poison that man has created in terms of innovation there's some innovation which is great you know i'm not gonna throw the baby out with the bathwater, but a lot of these industrial um you know, um, inventions they are poisoning us and you know it's created the problem that now they have the solution for so for for me I, I just I just can't take that comment seriously when someone says that I'm, I'm just I'm out I've logged out at that point
1: but <laughs> well, you know it's it's just time that a few basic changes happened in the world I mean people are waking up very fast it's a race between war and uh peaceful change. And what has to change? Well, we've got a million, I know the number, a million public servants in England, the government, the army, the police, and they've all forgotten what the definition of the word servant is. Mm. If you just redefine, you yeah, know, everything you public servant has to do has to be for our benefit, yeah, benefit of everyone, then um, You know, psychopaths have to be banned from from government and corporations. Corporations, the directors of corporations, have to be individually liable. You know, I run a small business. I'm liable. If I fuck up, I am responsible. But you you, you kill a thousand people because you're the boss of Pfizer or something, and you're not responsible. You get off scot-free. So if directors of of corporations had individual liability, just like ordinary people would, just those changes you know public servants actually serve you you know they don't find you for parking in the wrong place they help you find the right place
0: yeah yeah that is the problem and now we're talking about potential war and they're going to be calling upon people like me my age as servants you know maybe going to military and I'm thinking the audacity after the rollout of the solution that we, we just saw over the last couple of years, you know, if you don't get it, you lose your job and all that.
1: Well, I'm sure joining the army will be safe and effective. Don't be worried. <laughs> <laughs> oh, can't, I
0: can't wait for that slogan. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, Clive, I really appreciate your time. Thank you. is Is there anything else you wanted to sort of say whilst you're on or anything you wanted to promote anything you're up to in the near future?
1: Yeah, I have got a show at the Leicester Square Theatre on the 3rd of March with Matt Letissier and Richard Bowes where we're going to be discussing the answers to everything basically. So if anybody wants that it's on my website which is clivetakarl.com or you can buy it direct from the Leicester Square Theatre. I think the tickets are like 37 quid so it's not the end of the world yeah, and uh, it should be a lot of fun actually. Um, then I've got the Secret Health Club, which is secrethealthclub.com, and it costs money to join that. But if somebody can't afford it, I've got staff. I've got to run the thing. Um, then if they write to me and say what well, they can't afford, you know, twenty quid or whatever. If somebody can't afford anything, I'll sign them up for free. I, I prefer you to pay, but you don't have to. Um, and there, you know, when I got taken down off Google and YouTube and everything. Uh, all the information, all the videos that I would like people to see to learn how to fix their own problems are, are there in A to Z. So it's it's a useful reference guide. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's uh, it. Oh right. actually i tell you one other thing. Um, I've moved house and the old place I used to rent I've now opened as a sort of a center you might say. and if people want to experience um, the Tesla technology and other technologies, um, particularly if they've got ner- nervous system damage, uh, they can contact me. you know they can write to info at clive dot and um, you know, there, there is now a center where, uh, we're beginning to see a few a few people. I, I don't really see clients anymore. I don't really do consultations anymore, but I do an emergency particularly to do with children. Um but you know, the secret health club is there. You people used to say to me, Well, who am I going to go and see? You know, if you're not practicing anymore. But the Secret Health Club's got a lot of the answers and uh, uh, you know it, it's worth checking out. Uh, yeah, that's it. Brilliant. You're a
0: hero. All the work you've done and thank you for coming on.